Hello and welcome to Never Seen It, a podcast about movies we haven't seen yet. My name is Trent. I'm here with my wife, Betsy. Well, hi there. Uh, Today, we are continuing on with our Western Wednesday series. We are. Uh, This is going to be the second one out of four. Today, we're going to watch Unforgiven. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, We promised we were going to watch a Clint Eastwood Western, and here it is, guys. Right. There were several to choose from, but Uh we picked a quote-unquote more modern one, despite the fact we are coming up on the 30th anniversary of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) And as far as, like, his other more famous Westerns, like the the Man With No Name trilogy. The Spaghetti Westerns. Those old-school Westerns we're going to save for another time down the line when we do when we decide to do more western oh but, there's so many to choose from this will not be the well, last for him and Clint john Eastwood. wayne and everything else <laughs> yeah so we're gonna watch unforgiven today uh betsy neither of us have seen this movie that is correct uh however this movie did win best picture uh it came out in 1992 so one in 93 yes best picture that's in I would say that's pretty insane for a 1992 movie because by this point, there's not a lot of Westerns coming out. But, I mean, I suppose with Dances with Wolves winning it and some other stuff coming there out. Was, there was kind of a renaissance for Westerns yeah, in the early it was kind 90s. Of, it was kind of in the ether where directors were... were deciding you know what western is still a good genre for filmmaking so let's make some good ones right and you know you had kind of from about 1990 to 1994-95 you had this one in dances with wolves like you mm-hmm. said jack palance won best supporting actor for what's technically a western with city <laughs> slickers uh what else tombstone wyatt earp there's a ton of them that came out in mm-hmm. about a five-year span sure and of course this is also early in the days of Clint Eastwood, the director. Right. Uh, Not only did this movie win Best Picture, Clint Eastwood won for Best Director. Which I didn't know until we were looking up some facts about this movie before we started recording. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, of late, Clint Eastwood has kind of I don't know if he if he's kind of a parody of himself. He just kind of keeps making the same kind of movies. I mean, he has a style, so we'll see. Yeah. I uh, We were having a conversation earlier about his other works, and one of them is Million Dollar Baby, which also won Best Picture. Right. And controversial opinion, guys, I don't really like Million Dollar Baby that much. <laughs> uh, that being said, I don't know how I'll feel about this, because it's been a little bit of a mixed bag for me as far as the movies that he has directed. Right, and I kind of liken the Clint Eastwood directed movies to more of the Mel Gibson directed movies because they kind of put, like, this is their passion, Mm -hmm. which you should have passion about what you do, but it's a little bit too personal and, like, the Clint Eastwood movies are kind of like, hey, he's an old, gruff man who... It, it smacks with the taste of his hardened right. old life. <laughs> right. And like the Mel Gibson stuff with like the war heroes and the, the Religious very, undertones. very Catholic everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit too much. So mm-hmm. I haven't seen a new Clint Eastwood movie probably since Million Dollar Baby. Yeah. And you know what? I kind of like that movie because it takes such a tonal shift by midway through the movie it goes from this up-and-coming boxer boxer movie Mm -hmm. to a very kind of different movie maybe that's why i don't like it is because i just it's two different movies in one it basically is and i can get on board with one tone of a movie or the other tone of the movie and i probably would have liked it more but 
to have it just kind of go off in the middle. It's very unique. It's unresolved for me, and I don't care for it. But right. that's a topic for another day. We're talking yeah. about Unforgiven. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Unforgiven, Betsy, do you know anything about this other than, hey, it won some awards? I know precious little about this movie. So I knew Clint Eastwood was the star because yeah. he's on the cover. Like, no surprise there. And I had to kind of rack my brain a little bit. Because I was trying to think of who else was in this movie. Mm -hmm. And I had to ask because I don't like to look it up right before we, we watch because I'd much sure. rather be surprised when they show up on screen. But I was pretty sure Gene Hackman was in this movie. Right. And, and he is. Yeah, and he won for Best Supporting Actor for this movie. Right. So there there's another heavy hitter. Mm -hmm. And he also made a lot of westerns in the early 90s. He did, yeah. <laughs> um, and we also got Morgan Freeman in this movie. And in 92... I don't know, like, was it Driving Miss Daisy was the thing that really made him famous? I suppose. That would have been a few years before this. Yeah, I think it was 89, uh, Glory 88. was around this time. Glory was like 90. So, yeah, he was very much getting famous at this point. Which is so weird because he had been acting for 20 years. Right. He was kind of an older man by the time all those other ones hit. But you know what? Hey. Success finds you, I guess. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I don't know anyone else who's in it. I yeah, don't do know I. what the exact plot is. I don't know. Revenge where, tale. I don't know where this takes no place. Uh, the no. last movie we watched that's a Western was Colorado. So I'm going to mm -hmm. go ahead and throw a guess out. This is in Montana, because why not? There's a lot of states to choose from. Uh, I also don't know like what era this is. Like No. Like, is it early West? Is it right. 1907 West? <laughs> sure. I mean, I I can't imagine it's going to be a, like a, a cliche filled Western because in 92, there have been hundreds and hundreds of Westerns out there. You kind of have to be unique to get to nominated and win Best Picture. Yeah, I think there's going to be a good story here. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really curious to see what the hook is going to be. Why is this one special? Why did a Western win in 1992? I guess we'll find out. So, Betsy, let's go and watch Unforgiven. We will be right back. back uh betsy that was unforgiven what did you think of that one i liked this one if i'm being honest like it's it's a slow burn to say the least but by the end i found myself like kind of holding my breath and getting very invested in the action there were a couple of moments here that really got me going that yeah. were really tense really suspenseful you don't know what's gonna happen but as an overall movie I don't think I like this one. You were underwhelmed? Yeah. Yeah, I could see how this one is very easily one that people are going to feel very mixed about. Because, yeah. like I said, the pacing is a slow burn. Like, here's a random dude, and he keeps repeating himself a lot because he ain't like that no more. This would, That's what this movie should be called. Unforgiven. He ain't like that no more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... You've got some compelling characters, but Clint Eastwood just sort of is there 
and you only get little bits. He's a mystery the whole damn movie. He doesn't reveal himself until the climax of the movie. Right. The real guy comes out 10 minutes before the end of the movie. The rest of the time, he is the man he is now. Yeah, he is like repressing whatever feelings that he's got and and the actions that he would normally take Mm -hmm. like no i'm not gonna take that whiskey no i'm uh i I don't know how to shoot anymore i can't ride a horse i can't ride a horse anymore he's just he's holding it all in but it's still there yeah he's kind of a stumbling old man now yeah where and a pig farmer meanwhile he used to be a guy who would murder women children men anybody who needed murdering anybody for a paycheck anybody for a paycheck and he was saved by love as are most criminals in these kinds of movies sure and we get just like a little bit of a storyline at the beginning there's a scroll that says this woman married this thief and outlaw Mm -hmm. and nobody knows why a known murderer yeah and nobody has a clue yeah. how that came to pass. She won his heart and she was able to tame the beast, so yeah. to speak. She reformed him and yeah. he talks about it excessively. Like, yeah. you know, she made me stop drinking and she made me see the air of my ways. But he's been living with that guilt. And then his wife dies. Yeah. And now he has his two kids, but nothing else. Mm-hmm. And he has been unforgiven. He has not forgiven himself, Trent. That's the whole moral of this story yeah. is he has spent the better part of the latter half of his life. You know, he says it's like 11 years or something yeah. since he's killed anybody, since he's had a drink. Yeah. And that whole time he has been stewing about all of the bad things. And every time he does open up a little bit where he's reminiscing, he's talking about really horrible traumatic shit he oh, did. Oh yeah, and he has fucking nightmares about like dead people and dead bodies and yep. there's worms on and everybody. Death is coming for me. Yeah. And I'm dying. Yeah. Yeah, things he, well, like that. and he, you know, almost welcomes it. Like he gets a horrible right. fever right. and he just immediately resigns himself to I'm dying. And he doesn't die, but he'd be okay with it if he did. Yeah, he is a tortured soul. Absolutely. And he's, you know, talking about, oh, remember when I shot that guy and his teeth blew out the back of his head? And remember when that guy got attacked and you could see his brains? Yeah, all this horrible, horrible shit that he has witnessed. And he's, again, trying to repress all that stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And then meanwhile, the only reason he gets involved again is because he was brought into the light, as it were, by Mm -hmm. his wife, who is now dead. And the reason he gets called up is because these dudes cut up a woman. Yeah. He hears that this woman was sliced her face or nose. And then they, you know, Mm -hmm. describe it to excess. It was worse in the description than the actual act, but that stirs him enough to get him on board. Also, he needs the money. He does. Like, I don't think they're destitute, but they're clearly not having a good time. Like, they keep talking about, oh, the pig's got the fever, the pig's got the fever, and they can't separate them. And if they all get sick, they're all going to die. And I'm sure that at at one point in his life, he did not have to do such things. He didn't have to work the farm or work the pigs or whatever else. He was able to sustain himself by his his dastardly deeds. Mm -hmm. So, you know... He wants to have a better life for his children, and I have no doubt that he loves his children yeah. because they're a part of you know part of him and part of his wife. But you know he never really had to struggle before while he was doing all this shit. Right. That's my He's, guess anyway. He is a 
really good criminal who's a really bad pig farmer in the same yes. way that Gene Hackman's character is a really bad person yeah. and a really bad carpenter. <laughs> 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 There's sort of that linear sure. line here. Like they're, they are trying to do something that is not inherently mm-hmm. in their skill sets. Sure. Because that is what you do when you're trying to change your ways. But the difference is he's actually trying to be a better person. Gene Hackman's a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I was trying to understand Gene Hackman's character. Is he a former outlaw who's now the sheriff, the marshal? Or what's the story there? Because he was there with all the other gunslingers. Here's my thought. So he keeps on mentioning all of these other towns around Kansas and Oklahoma and Missouri and... Where all the bad guys All the people were. I think... He was actually some kind of lawman. Like a I don't US know if he was marshal a, or something. Well, apparently he like killed a marshal at some point. There was there was a, a, a short reference to him killing a U.S. marshal. Oh, I missed that. So I think he was actually a lawman who just got this reputation of being this hard ass, and maybe he got kicked out, or maybe he just moved on. But he finally made it in this town. What is it? What is it? Big Whiskey? Big Whiskey, Wyoming. Big whiskey, I was Wyoming. close. Wyoming. We're close <laughs> enough to Montana. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot of those those types of names. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I think what happens is he does either get kicked out or he just moves on to this town and they elect him sheriff, I guess. And he just rules that town with an iron fist. Yeah. He's the only tough guy around and they sort of just let him take over. Right. And he has a city ordinance where no one else is allowed to have a gun. Well, you know what makes it real easy? When you're the only one with a gun and nobody else has one. Right. And you are allowed to do business in that town as long as he deems it to be appropriate. Yeah. And he's got himself surrounded by all of these little deputies. Yeah. But you can tell the whole movie... Those deputies are a bunch of cowards. Like, they're all mm-hmm. shaking in their little boots. And there's yeah. that whole sequence at the beginning where they're like, is he coming? Is he coming? We right. can't do this by ourselves. We need <laughs> Bill there. Right. Little you Bill. Know, little Bill. He's got to show up and do this because we can't do this. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm pointing this gun and I'm scared to get close. And yeah, yeah that's the kind of environment. He rules with fear. Mm-hmm. He does not rule with actual yeah. skill or talent. But yeah. but yeah, he clearly has had some history because he knows English Bill when he shows Bob. up. Oh, excuse me. English Bob when he shows up. Something about this movie and their names. We got Will. We got Bill. We got Bob. We got Ned. Those are the kinds of names you had those in those days. Those are the days. kinds of names. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone has a nickname. Like even the kid, he gives himself a nickname because sure. he wants to feel like a badass cowboy man. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even get his fucking name. So, uh, I also don't remember his name, but he kept calling himself like the Schofield Kid or whatever. Schofield, that's Schofield right. Schofield Kid, yeah. yeah. Just he, he calls himself after his gun. So he sounds right. like a tough guy. Sure. When in fact, he is nobody who has never done anything. Yeah. He talks trying... a big game. Yeah. He's like the son of someone. He's his nephew. Like, I, okay. That, they, okay. Again, very loosey goosey how we make this connection. It's like he's the nephew of somebody who was a big tough outlaw. Right. Who used to roll with these other with guys. With Will and Ned, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's got a nickname, Lil Bill, English Bob. Also, Richard Harris had no idea he was in this movie. This is, again, two appearances in very short order sure. for that guy because he was in Gladiator. Yeah. He's very spry in this movie. For a mere 10 years between that and, like, Harry Potter, he aged a lot. I suppose, yeah. 
because he was in the first two Harry Potters and mm-hmm. he's a very old man by the time those roll mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. And here he's still got a little twinkle in his eye and <laughs> I believe it, like he's spouting on about the queen and fuck America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he doesn't have a very big part in this, but I loved it. <laughs> there were really good characters. Like, yes. I like the character of Little Bill. Because, I mean, I can see why Gene Hackman won the Oscar for this. Because Definitely. he's got a lot to do and not a lot of room to do it. So what I mean by that is he has all these long you know, soliloquies and it's just him talking. You know, he's, he's out front confronting English Bob and he's got this big long story and there's a lot of dialogue to get through. And he, he doesn't really emote all that much, but he's doing it all with a smile on his face. But he's a horrible man. Right. Right. Yeah. It's all being contained within until the few moments he lets it out a little bit. Right. And he's got like this little book in in his mind about all of the different things that English Bob and him did. And who knows whether or not all of that is true. But once he hooks up with the author guy, the writer, he starts spouting off like, oh, yeah, English Bob, he never did any of that stuff. Let me tell you how it really That's was. That's some bullshit. Right. Yeah. That all, also, I didn't even catch what that other guy's name, the uh, biographer. No. Yeah. But typical newspaper man, typical writer, he's just in it for the story. Like, the second sure. anything interesting happens, he's just like, I'm just going to go over here. I'm just going to go over here. Right. I'm just going to go over here. Like, when Clint Eastwood shows up, right. he's like... Tell me, tell me, uh, who are you? What's going on? Why, why did the, you shoot him first? Give me the because scoop. Because in all of the other people that I've talked to, you always go after the best gunman first. Yeah, and he's just like, that's bullshit. It was just dumb luck. Kind right, of <laughs> right. And I guess, you know, back in those days, you would get all these, t- like we, we mentioned in the last movie, all of these like big, big names that came out of this era that had the, these fables about them. This was also a real thing where these authors, that's what you wrote, these pulp novels of yeah, the day right. about the outlaws yeah. that existed in the Wild that's West. that's what people wanted to read. Yeah, which is why there's such a nostalgia for and, uh, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Glamour, I guess, about the sure. Wild West. Yeah. Because these guys... They romanticized they ro- Thank you. Romanticized versions of these guys and what they did. And it's all bullshit right but these... and it's all these stories that get sent back east to yep. all the city slickers who are too afraid or don't want to go out west like everybody else was with a description of here's what it is here's right what it's like. like no this is horrible shit that, pe- that these people are doing in order to get ahead and if you really knew all the bad shit that was happening you would you would not step anywhere near that. Yeah, it. they're anti-heroes. All of these yeah. dudes you're reading about in your Western magazines and your Western novels, they're not people to root for. Right. But because you're so removed from it, you're in the prim and proper big city out right. east right. that's been around for a few hundred years, and they're getting dirty and murdering people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're just like, I'm here for it. Let's read about it. I mean, it. you're making your own history by that point. Absolutely. Because, at the, because up to that point in the um, you know mid to late 1800s, you know, the only interesting thing that happened to the U.S. was a civil war. And the fact that you you fought a revolution. Yeah. That, and, and a few wars in between there. But still, there's not much special about the U.S. at this point. Uh, yeah. So I thought that you're right. Each character was interesting around Clint Eastwood. Yeah. But he is such a closed off 
man yeah. that we really don't get a whole lot of his character until somebody fucks with his friend. And the whole movie, he's like, I don't drink anymore. I don't do mm-hmm. this. And the second as he, soon as he knows that, yeah, he's, the that second Ned he is finds dead, out his friend has been killed, like, give me that. I'm gonna take a swig. He doesn't even say give me that. He's got it in his hand. I oh, think that, I suppose. he's just holding it and just starts drinking it. Yeah. And then he takes the gun and he wrecks shop. And that was a great scene. Like, this is where you said, hey, look, the movie's finally starting. Yeah. When, when he is riding up into the town while it's raining and dark, mm-hmm. I finally said, Jesus, is this finally where this is going to happen? Because, least- good God, I, I, this movie was a series of little sequences that some of them were really compelling and the rest of it was just kind of boring. As I said in the intro, I wanted to know why this movie was special. Why did this win for Best Picture? And honestly, I don't know. You still don't feel like you have that answer. I don't, I don't get the, like, what's the thing? What's the, the special thing about this movie to put it over the edge? I still don't understand. Okay, I think that's fair. I think this maybe for you is not better than the sum of its parts. Like, you like the yeah. little chunks of it. Yeah. Uh, but I I thought this movie was re- like be- okay this is a beautiful looking movie it is like you're right you said something about it's dark as hell as in oh, yeah. there's no lights <laughs> it is very hard to see a, a lot of the stuff actually happening in the movie it's firelight and candlelight and sometimes you're just like what the fuck am I there's, looking at there's at least like two or three sunset scenes where you can only see their silhouettes those shots were very very well done but yeah we're in Wyoming there's mountains there's wheat there's sure. green fields there's snow there's horses like you know it, I get it it's Wyoming it's Wyoming it's a lot of natural light I thought it looked really good I think the individual characters collectively mm-hmm. you're right they're all developed and interesting and that last sequence is when we finally get to see why people like clint eastwood's character in this movie but that's the thing he becomes the clint eastwood cliche in those he last 10 minutes the of the movie yet though because th- listen this is a movie that was created by a man who has spent at this point what the last 30, 30 plus years of yeah. his life yeah acting in Westerns. And he finally had an opportunity as a result of all that extensive study and Mm -hmm. involvement. If I were to make a Western, what kind of a Western would I make? Mm -hmm. And this is what he came up with. The reluctant outlaw. Yeah. Yeah. The, The reluctant outlaw, the reformed sinner who still has to atone for his sins. And he only gets involved when there's a cause. And he only really gets involved when his friend who is innocent gets killed because his friend Ned literally did nothing. Ned shot a horse and then could not finish the job. These Mm -hmm. two dudes haven't killed anybody in a really long time. And they both are living these quiet little lives with their wives on their farms. And he dies. He is killed and he can't stand by that. So he goes in He literally, this scene is so great. He just walks in the front door while they're gathering the posse to say, all right, men, you bring your horses and you bring your guns. Meanwhile, this figure with a gun just shows up in the, in the doorway and fucks everybody up. And yeah, at this moment I was literally like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And I thought it was great. Yes. There's like, I think there's a lot here to enjoy. Maybe this is one either 
this is one of two things I figure. Either this is your million dollar baby, <laughs> where, <laughs> where you and I are just going to dis- agree to disagree. Yeah. Or you need to watch this again. Because sometimes I find movies like this, especially, I have uh, to watch a couple of times before I, it I don't, like, speaks to me. I don't think so. And I think the, 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 the thing that I'm really coming to here is that I don't know what the overall message is here. What did Clint Eastwood want to say with this? I don't get it. Like, is it that, you know, outlaws will forever be outlaws and you can't reform? Or, you know, once you've done all these horrible things, you're a, you're a sinner forever? Or, I, I just don't know. Well, like, at the end, he, he shoots Gene Hackman's character and he's lying on the ground, but he ain't mm-hmm. dead. Yeah. And he says... I don't deserve this. Yeah, I don't deserve this. And I'll see you in hell kind of a thing. Sure. And he basically is just like, yeah, I expect you will. Yeah. We'll both be there. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm a terrible person who's done terrible things. Yeah. And I know that. You know, I, I maybe that is the point. Maybe the whole point is he just wanted to make a really good Western. And I don't know. you can't reform a sinner, I guess, is his moral. Right. <laughs> and, and again, I think what you said about, yeah, he's been doing this for 30 years and he finally gets to the point where he can make his own kind of Western. And what what Western would Clint Eastwood make if he is not the star of it? Or I guess he is the star of it. Well, and that's the thing. He is the star, but he doesn't have a lot to do for a lot of this movie. You're right. And all of this is kind of surrounding him. And I think by the by the end of it, the last 10 minutes, of, we keep talking about the last 10 minutes of the movie. Because that's the best part of the movie. It is the best part it of the movie. It just is. By, by far. I think at the end of the movie, like I said, Clint Eastwood kind of reverts, like his character reverts back to the outlaw characters that he has played in previous movies, and you, you can't get away from your roots. And his this character's roots are, I don't care, I, I fully admit that yes, I killed women and children, I did it for money, I, have, I have, don't really have any regrets, because if I did, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. Well, it could also be, if you want to expand on that, that idea a little bit, and maybe this would help if we had seen more of his earliest filmography where he was doing all these spaghetti westerns. I, I've seen enough of it, but okay. okay. But think of it this way. If he said, what would those characters I played be doing 30 years later? If they had won. If they had won the day. If they had won the day, they were able to go off and retire and have a little family of their own with a, with a young bride. Mm-hmm. And tragedy strikes. Yeah. Would you go back to that life? Yeah, where would he be in 30 years? And that's kind of what we get here. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about just the man himself. Because I was looking at this. How old was Clint Eastwood when he made this movie? I don't know, 60. He was 62. All right. How old was Gene Hackman when he made this movie? 55. He was 62. How oh, old fuck. was Richard Harris when he made this movie? 62. He was 62. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you've got kind of these like old timers and then you've got morgan yeah. freeman who was like uh math 55 he was in his mid 50s when okay. he did this yeah so you've got kind of these old time guys mm-hmm. versus really young outlaw cowboys so that's sort of a different take on things having you know the grizzled old man cowboy cliche mm-hmm. i think that sort of is born out of this movie because up to this point, cowboys are like young gunslingers and fat, quick draws and, you know. And John Wayne. And John Wayne. Because <laughs> John Wayne is a category though, of, unto himself. Apart from John Wayne. And I also love the fact that they keep using the word Duke and they're making fun of it in this movie. Did you, I guess. Did you kind of catch that that uh, might be a little bit of a I, I had the John thought, Wayne 
I had thing. the thought. I I don't know. I don't know. Well, it was just something I caught. He kept saying the duck. Yeah. He knows it says the Duke, but he's like, it, I'm going to call it the duck. I don't duck. know. Is there like an unspoken rivalry between Clint Eastwood and John Wayne? I have no idea. I don't know. I'm going to have to look at that later because it's just. Listeners, do you know about this shit? <laughs> <laughs> it's a rather specific call out yeah. because the Duke. They keep saying it though. They say it a lot of yeah. times and he specifically is making fun of the title, the Duke. Yes. And because. Because this is something created by Clint Eastwood, I don't think that's a mistake. That's all I'm going to say about mm-hmm. that. And, and maybe it is because this is like the Duke of the West or whatever the fuck it's the called. The Duke of Death, I think Duke is what Duke of Death, thank you. You know, you could think back to all of the different John Wayne movies and he is always depicted as this you know, larger than life legend. He's the legendary John Wayne. Mm-hmm. And all of the different stories and all, all the different movies that he's put in, he is this larger than life figure. But in reality, that's just a story. And a story is only as good as its storyteller. Maybe what he's saying here is, you know what? It's not all that's cracked up to be because there's consequences to all the actions of these Western stars and... You know, maybe John Wayne wasn't that great. Guys. Maybe there's more <laughs> to it than what you're putting out. Yeah. He wasn't the guy you saw on screen. He yeah. was the Duke is a character. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Kind of a thing. Uh, one other thing I kept thinking while I was watching this movie, and I don't know if you were gathering this or not, or maybe it's just me. I kept thinking about Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Okay. Just that kind of stoic, internalized, old man, grizzled exterior, I'm so tired of my bad ways kind of thing. And I don't know exactly why I was getting that vibe. Are you thinking like, okay, I'm cursed with this? Like, maybe. Like the Logan era, like when we get to old Logan. Yeah, yeah. Where he has lived this really long life and done a lot of really shitty things and he has to live with it and, and no one else does. And he has no friends left. Yeah. And I just get the vibe that maybe some of what Hugh Jackman is doing is drawn from these Clint Eastwood movies. Just because this hmm. one in particular was really all giving me is, those vibes. Yeah, and all, all Logan is, all Wolverine is, is a killer. Like none of his powers can do anything to help anybody. Mm-mm. It's just to kill. Yeah, and he is basically okay with that until he is, you know, brought in by the X-Men. Yeah. And then he has some other mission and something else to live for. And guess what? He lives for love, Trent. There's a theme here. But yeah, I just really kept thinking about it. And I don't know exactly why. Okay. I can see where you're coming from with that. I think the cursed nature of the the killer. Mm -hmm. And this is all I will ever be. It's all I've ever been. It's, a, it's what I am now. So I'm defining myself as that, and I can't be anything else. And I can't be redeemed. Right. Redemption Un- is not for me. And until the woman comes into my life to cure me of my ways, even though you're not actually cured, then maybe there's hope for me. Yeah. I get that. Maybe it's just the, the similarities in the character, or maybe when they created X-Men, they were thinking about Clint Eastwood. I don't know. Just something about this movie in particular. I kept thinking about... Hugh Jackman as Wolverine come old Logan time. Fair enough. 
Okay, what else have I got? I've just got a lot of random thoughts and things I was noticing in this movie. Yeah. Uh, like the correlation that I mentioned about he's no more a pig farmer than little Bill is a carpenter. Sure. There's also a sequence where he wakes up from his fever and he's being treated by the woman who was cut cut yeah. up. And yeah, the yeah. whole reason this whole movie is happening. Mm-hmm. And he makes some comment about, well, you know, now we have, we both look like this. Sure. And she thinks he means, oh, it's because I'm so ugly. Right. And he says, no, we both got scars. And I'm like, it's a metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) That was probably the biggest, like, beat you over the head. Like, he's giving a speech about how he's got a wife and he loves her. Clint Eastwood is not much for subtlety. (laughs) No. (laughs) Subtext. No, this was a very literal, like, we, we have scars. Well, yes, your faces are both cut up, but you also have demons. Yes. But, like, that whole thing, the dynamic between those two seemed very forced for what it was. And I I don't know. So she's, like, taking care of him. And they have this dialogue back and forth about, well, the other ones were given your other, your your companions some some free ones. Mm -hmm. They're cashing in their advances. Right. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. They don't actually come out and say what the hell's happening. They be fucking guys. Yeah them's prostitutes that's why they're here (laughs) yeah they're giving them some freebies because hey guess what they killed one of their guys so guess what you're going to take an advance off of whatever money is going to be paid to you once you're done yep but she offers him a free one keep on saying free ones that's what they call it (laughs) they keep using the phrase they don't want to say the words they can't even call it a whorehouse no they call it a billiard parlor it's a billiard parlor but they burned the billiard table for firewood several years ago (laughs) right but everybody kind of knows it but anyway um she's like oh i could get would you like a free one and she's like like putting on her chest and like taking her shawl off or something like she's gonna get down with him but then she feels the sh- she immediately starts he, he feeling says no, and yeah. she thinks it's because she's so horrible and ugly. Right, right, because she, yeah, and you know she gets all sh- you know ashamed and shy and goes and puts her bonnet back on. But then he feels like I need to you know make sure that she doesn't think that oh, I didn't mean it like this. And let I, me explain. Let me explain. And I don't know that 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 dynamic was kind of strange. I think it's necessary. Because of the little things, again, this is one of those, like, maybe we would have gotten more had we seen him with his wife versus his wife is dead. This is basically the scene replacing his wife for the viewer Mm -hmm. because she describes this sequence later and she says that really nice man. Right. This gentle little woman with a cut up face who Mm -hmm. thinks she's hideous felt kindness from this grizzled old outlaw. Mm Mm-hmm. And I guess it's to establish that he could be loved. Like the whole thing at the beginning is nobody understood why his wife fell in love with him. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, here's a sequence of a woman kind of falling in love with him. Like she is just very taken by his kindness. Yeah, he says, well, if I were to take a free one, I wouldn't want to be with those other women. I would want to be with you. Right. And, and and who knows if he's actually being genuine there or just saying something to make her feel better. And she's like very taken by his loyalty to his wife. Like right. they literally, the first time we see Morgan Freeman, we see his wife before we see him. Yes. So we know he has a wife and he even goes off and fucks these women. 
Yeah. He's very quick to do that. He's like, you mind uh-huh. if I just go and, uh, and have some me time? Right. And like when, when he leaves, he doesn't say a word to her. He just up and fucks off. Yeah. Meanwhile, Clint Eastwood's wife has been dead for almost three years. She's yeah. buried in the ground. Right. And he won't even say she's dead to this woman. Right. He just says, I got a wife back home. Right. And I couldn't do that to her. And like the 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 other lady said, oh, yeah, she, he, he don't have a wife that isn't underground. Right. But that's what that scene was for, I think, to establish the seeds of how a woman could fall in love with him. All right. Fair enough. That's what I figured that dynamic was. None of the other women saw it that way. The rest of them were like, sure. he's just here for the money and whatever. You're so and, ugly and hideous and now. Honestly, I, I, I keep coming back to, yes, I think he's just doing this for the money. Now, it is a noble thing to go off and try to get revenge off of a hideous thing that he did or that they did. Yeah, those guys, those guys sucked. Yeah. The one guy sucked in particular. Sure. The other dude was an accomplice. The other dude was an accomplice and didn't really do a good job of stopping his friend. No, and I'll, I'll, I'll get back to him, but keep talking. Okay. Well, that's all I had. Oh, okay. Well, I want it, since we're on the topic then, he's also not the worst person because, you know, little Bill catches these two mm-hmm. and he's going to whip them. And the women are screaming, that ain't right. You got to hang them. What right. they done is terrible. Right. And he says, you got any ponies? I've got 10. I've got seven. All right. right you're going to bring all of these ponies. Mm-hmm. You're going to bring this many and you're going to, and you're going to give them to skinny, not the women. Yeah. You're going to give them to the guy who quote unquote owns these women. Exactly. And that was the next thing I was going to say. Like, these women are treated like property. It's slavery yep. and everything but name. Yeah, they got a contract. The guy like holds it up. I got uh-huh. a license and a contract to yeah, work with this Yeah, this is woman. my property and my property got damaged. So I need some uh, recompense here. Yeah, and so he, instead of beating them, instead of jailing them, instead right. of hanging them, he says, you're going to give him horses because mm-hmm. this is what this is. It's purely financial. Yeah, this is a business transaction. Yep. And the women, of course, are not having it, and yeah. they get themselves a gunslinger. They're just, like, putting yeah, they, together all the money all yeah, the, that they have. They pool their money for $1,000. Now, $1,000 in 1880. I looked it up. I, the, the calculator that I found only went back to like 1912 or whatever. So we'll just But like adjusted for inflation, it's like between 30 and 40 grand these days. Yeah. So that's a good amount of money between five women. Yep. And so these two guys, one of them, the whole thing is he's got a tiny dick and she giggled at it. Right. And he went ape shit and started slicing her with a big knife. And his friend, like, he's screaming at him to help hold her down. Right. So when they bring the ponies, you know, a few months later, Mm -hmm. his friend says, no, not this one. This one's not for you. This one's for her that got her face cut. Right. And she won't take it. All of them run him out of town. But he's, like, literally trying to do something versus nothing. Right. Like, this is the best one I have. Right. He's much better than the ones I gave this fucker. Mm -hmm. I want you to have this. Right. And you can sell it. You can ride it. I don't care what you do with it, but it's yours. Well, and in those days... Because I feel guilty for for being involved in this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And in those days, a horse was worth money. Of course. So, it's not like she couldn't have done something. So, I get... He tried... It doesn't... It's not an equivocator. It's not good enough. It's not. And I also don't like the fact that all the women spoke for her. Yeah, all she the other never women said shit. didn't have a choice in the matter. He, She just said, or all of the other women just said, yeah, get the horse out of here. We don't want your fucking charity. Yeah. You deserve to die and we're going to make right. sure it happens. Well, and maybe that's 
like, I don't want to feel guilt for putting a hit out on you and you're being nice to us, even though you don't have to. I don't know. Like, yeah, that woman with all the scars is just kind of standing there watching and doesn't say a word. Yeah. I had that thought. Like, how dare you speak for me? Like, if this person is really trying to make amends in whatever way that he can, why not hear him out? Why not Mm. fucking take his pony? If you can go ahead and kill him, take his pony and take the money. Yeah. Win win. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But yeah, so he's not like the worst guy in the world. Yes. And then the other dude dies on the shitter. You know, they, they get cornered the first guy in a little trench in a valley Mm -hmm. with his friends and they shoot him and, you know, get him in the gut. Yeah. We get this kind of like classic Western kind of a shootout type. I have the high ground. Yeah. And he is like calculating, okay, we've got to get him before he gets behind the rocks. Otherwise we're not, we're we're going to have to go down there and we're not going down there. Right. And how many shots do I have in this thing? Mm-hmm. Well, you got two. So he's got to make them count. And he gets him in the gut. And he just kind of... He's going to bleed out. Resigns himself to the fact that he just shot a man. Yeah. Like, he's just like, yeah, I got him. I yeah, got he's going to die. He's just, yeah, I got him. Like, it's such a weird moment where he's sort of Kind of a, blah, a blase thing like, where... Like, I, Ned had like Ned had him dead to rights. He would have been able to shoot him. Anytime. At any time. And he... I wish they would have gotten more into that. Like, why, why he couldn't shoot? Why did Ned choose not to shoot him, and why did Ned choose to leave? Why did he come along with him in the first place? Well, I would say going along with it in the in the first place was, hey, this is one our one last ride. Hashtag one last job. <laughs> <laughs> it's always one last job, guys. <laughs> so yeah, I wanted to have more of the Ned story, even though like Ned as a man is kind of a piece of shit as well because he had his wild days before with will and hung it up found himself a wife and got himself a farm and he's living that life but i think at the same time he longs for the old days of hanging out with his friend and getting into trouble i guess but i don't know you wanted more you needed more i needed more out of ned yeah that 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 whole dynamic they were interesting characters Mm -hmm. but we could have gone farther yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of those cases. So then there's the other guy who we barely see who shows up at the beginning, cuts her up. Yeah. I think he was there when they dropped off the ponies. And he then was. we do not see him again until he's throwing shit hold, <laughs> until he's holed up in the ranch. Yeah. And he has to finally go take a dump in right. the outhouse because it's 1880. <laughs> right. And the kid shoots him while he's on the pot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the only time they were going to get at him. Sure. But that's it. He's just sort of there, and then mm-hmm. he is and, killed. And on Clint the Eastwood sends the kid after him. Okay, here it is. You wanted your big shot. Here it is. Go, Go. for it. And he does it. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the kid. So he, it's revealed fairly early. He's like shooting at them, mm-hmm. but they're like, "This, what is happening? Who is he shooting at? What is going on?" Because right. he's shooting this way and it, that. It's a long, long range kind of a shot too. Mm-hmm. He so should be he's able a ways to hit away. Them. Yeah. And they confront him about it, and it's because he can't see. He can see close up. He cannot see far away. He's nearsighted. He is nearsighted. Like we are. It's true. We're (laughs) real nearsighted. (laughs) I can barely see you across this table without my glasses. I know who you are, but it's not good. I'm I'm a lot worse than that. You're a lot worse than that. Uh, So this kid's lucky, but he's trying to be this big somebody, he can't see. Yeah. He finally gets a shot, 
literally, and he takes it. He kills the guy. And, and of he's, course, he's point blank range. Yeah, and he's been saying, "Oh, I killed five guys. I did it. Trying I'm a to big be a bad big guy. Shot. Yeah. yeah, I'm a big bad guy." And then he immediately starts like crying, like I've never done that. It was my first time. Well, he drinking. hesitates. He yeah. hesitates. He hesitates. He's shaking. He shoots him in the chest. He shoots him again, and then he shoots him in the head. We don't see him shooting shooting him in the head, but he does it. He does it, and he confesses like I've never done that before. That was my first one, and also keep my gun. I'm never doing that again. Take my gun. Take the money too. I I don't need it. Yep, I don't need the money. I Go. never want to do that again. Nope. And he makes some comment to him. Uh, Will says, now you can go get those spectacles. (laughs) But what do you think we're supposed to take away from this kid? Like, this is what he could have been had he not followed this road? Yeah, I like the, uh, the, the arc of the kid. Because at the very, very beginning, when he goes up and meets Will at his uh, pig farm, he's talking this big game like... I'm the nephew of this guy, this famous guy, and he told me all about this. Uh, the good the, old days. The, the good old days and all the different shit that you went through, and you're the, just the man that I need to help me on this crusade to go, you know, clear the name of these women and get some money. I need a partner. Yeah. You're it. Right. And it's like he's just saying a line. Like, that's what a Wild Bill would do. That's what a this. Billy the Kid would do. Like, all of these different people that he's, like, looking up to. He doesn't say any of them, mm. but I think that's the the idea here. He's read too many of he these wants, books. <laughs> he wants to be a famous outlaw like all these other guys, or at least an he, assassin. He thinks he wants he to likens be a himself. Yeah, he likens himself to be that. But in reality, he's just a nearsighted kid who got himself a gun. Yeah, and you put him up against this other dude who's actually a badass, yeah. and he, but he's who is all completely, repressed. Who is completely blasé about killing men. Uh, how many men have you killed? What well, doesn't matter? I didn't count them. When the kid, at least in his head, oh yeah, I know, five. I've killed five men. Meanwhile, he, The other two couldn't even count. They probably know an idea they know they've killed enough people that they've lost count sure but or or they know the exact count because a lot of people like that they know the number down to the exact one sure because it matters every time and it fucks you up every single time right and even at the end when he's sitting by the tree will tells him yeah take a drink take a drink you're gonna need it yep you need to get through this because your first one you're not going to get over it. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you don't say. Your first one. That's uh-huh. incredible. I yeah, didn't know. I had no idea that you were lying <laughs> to me the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even remember where they said it because they made some comment about you can finally get those spectacles and that nice suit. Like, did right. he say something about that that I just missed? I think so. I don't remember him saying When they were talking anything. about money. I guess. But yeah, it's an interesting dynamic between those two. Mm-hmm. Well, let's cover some other uh, of these characters, Betsy. Um, we um, we mentioned English Bob yes. earlier. I think he as a character, I think, I don't know. He doesn't really contribute much other than kind of revealing what little Bill is about. Yeah, he's there to be a foil to. <laughs> right. And like English Him. Bob, he, there's there's never an explanation as to why he's showing up. They never explicitly say that he's there for the bounty. 
No, he's on a train and they're all reading a newspaper that has a headline, you know, President Garfield President shot. Garfield was just shot, yeah. So and all he was the... talking about, you know, he comes from England, so they have royalty, they have a queen or a king. And he's like deriding the United States for having presidents because like no one would ever, ever go and shoot a king because they would be in awe of just the the majesty of the the royalty <laughs> but meanwhile he's like it's no big deal and, and to shoot a, a fucking president is just sh- some schmuck yeah it's fine right and so yeah he's just running his and, mouth and was, about england right and he was talking about the fact that oh yeah this is your second one in like 30 years or 20 years or whatever it was because lincoln had just been shot a little while ago. Well, and during their lifetimes. This is the era of Queen Victoria where she right. was still kicking. <laughs> right. So she'd I mean, been on the throne for 20 years or something at this point. Right. And like he's like regaling everybody on the train of what his opinions are regarding the US. Mm-hmm. And other guys on the train were like, How dare you? Yeah. These <laughs> insult the US. <laughs> right. But one of the guys knows who he is. He's like, Well, that might be, you know, maybe this guy is English Bob right. who works for the railroad to keep shit on, you know, and you just make some comment, like sure. a little backstory about who English Bob is. And then they have like a shooting match. Like, all right, let's go shoot pheasants. You know, where the fuck do they get these pheasants? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they were just moving and they're just waiting for an opening. Keeping in mind, this is 1880. There's a lot more wilderness and there's a lot more wildlife. Right. That's so true. they're probably just in abundance. Like we have pheasants here and they have a certain number you can shoot. That's what the whole thing about hunting right. licenses. You have a quota. Back in those days, they didn't give a fuck. They were just like, I will shoot as many as I please. And there were so many of them because yeah. there weren't so many people. <laughs> it's true. Remember the buffalo? How many there used to be? Right. Just yeah. roaming the countryside. Yep. So it'd probably be the same thing. But yeah, he shows up and he's got his little author in tow. This is my official biographer. Right. <laughs> And, you know, he's there with his gun and he ignores the sign that he's not supposed to have one. And then little Bill shows up and he makes an example of him and he Mm -hmm. takes his gun and he takes his other gun and kicks the shit out of him Mm -hmm. in front of the entire town. The whole town comes out and sees what's going on here because little Bill is going to make a show of it. Mm-hmm. And he's like talking about all the different places that he's been with the with the Bob, and all the I guess some of the things that they were doing together. But yeah, they do that, and then when he's beating him up, he's just like yelling, yeah. saying, "This is what happens yep. for all you fuckers who are coming here to collect this bounty. These women are full of shit yeah. and don't come here. We don't want they you don't in this town. They don't have any money. Don't no, worry about he it." He could have nipped this in the bud by hanging those two dudes, and just you know, right. chaos ensues. But he didn't want to get these cowboys hung up because oh, they're good boys. They're just good boys who had too much to drink. Sure they are. Right. But that's the kind of guy, he's on their side, and these women are defending themselves by mm-hmm. pooling their resources. And you're right, they don't explicitly say that that's why English Bob is there. Yeah. But that's why he's there. It is. It which is. is why he's got a gun. And so he's getting his ass kicked, and little Bill is screaming about, you guys in this town and that town and this town, you tell everybody, this is what happens when you come here. Yeah. We don't want you Sending here. Sending a message to anybody who might come in here. Yep. Calling them whores. Yeah. Like those whores ain't got no money. Right. Like don't, don't do it. Mm-hmm. And they load him up and, you know, ship him out of town. But there's another sequence where he basically 
there's a couple of times in this movie where the guy with the gun keeps trying to make somebody else pick up a gun <laughs> so he can justifiably like oh, shoot them. Oh, I see. What so, like you're in saying. the prison, he little Bill like the prison scene. I want to talk about okay, the prison. Scene. Let's talk about the prison scene. So yeah, but Bill is got Bob locked up. Yeah, and he's also got the author locked up. But once they get to talking, he lets the author out because he starts finding him very interesting and writing his story down. <laughs> well, right, exactly. So the author finds, oh, Bill, you're a lot more interesting than Bob is because Bob bullshitted his way through that story. Exactly. And you're giving me the real deal. Right. I'd rather talk to you because that guy sucks. And again, whether or not any of what Bill is saying is true or not doesn't no, matter. Because it's a great story. Bob's just laying there, just bleeding to death. We were talking about this in Liberty Valance. It's the same thing. Yeah. If the story is good, print the story. Right. Who cares if the story is compelling and it's going to sell? Who cares? Yeah. And your version is more interesting than his version. So give me the scoop. Yeah. So after they start talking some more, he lets the author guy out of the cell and starts writing it all down. Mm-hmm. And he like, I don't know why he does. I guess he's just trying to fuck with him. Or maybe yeah. he's looking for an excuse to just get Bob out of the picture. I think it's more that, like, I, I'm i too good a lawman. I'm never going to shoot this unarmed man. I'm never going to shoot an unarmed man, but... Well, why don't you give him the gun? Uh-huh. Let's see what happens. Right. Because the whole thing about being a good gunslinger isn't who's the quickest draw. It's mm-hmm. who's got nerves of steel. Right. And they, they keep on saying, Bill is never afraid. He's mm-hmm. never afraid of anything or anybody. No, he digs out a gun and hands it to the author and says, load it, cock it, point it at me. Yep. And he's just letting Squeeze this all happen. Squeeze, Squeeze the, the trigger. trigger. Do it. And he do knows, he's he knows that he's him. never going to do it. No, because he's good at reading people. Yeah. But then the guy says, well, what if I give it to him? He Meaning th- Bob. He thinks he's clever. He thinks he's clever. He's like, do it. Yeah. Give it to Bob. Please. I want you to give I it to Bob. I want you to. And Bob seriously considers, like, he stands up and he approaches it mm-hmm. and he's almost got his hand on it. And then he just lifts his hand up and he turns away. Yep. Because he knows if he picks up that gun, it's just going to give him a reason to shoot him. Yeah. And it's a plausible story. Yeah. That the I let the author out because he was, you know, a, a good prisoner. And then he'll just shoot them both. And, and no problems. Right. Well, it's, it's a plausible story that he would be let out. He found a gun, gave it to Bob, and Bob was going to shoot him. Well, then he's justified in, in murdering both of them. Because mm-hmm. they both had a gun at, at some point. Yeah, and this is, a, a like you said, a really good scene. Yeah. Because we get a lot of insight into, Bill, don't fuck around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's that thing I said where it's really easy for him to be a big tough guy when nobody yeah. else has a gun. Right. And, like, his story about, you know, I was in that bar when Bob said that all this shit went down. But he's like, Bob didn't do any of those things. He was drunk as a skunk. He couldn't aim his gun at anybody in fact he shot himself in the foot he walked slowly over because he yeah. was so drunk he couldn't hardly stand and this up and this guy two gun corky is this other person that they ended up killing but the only reason why corky ended up getting killed is because his gun backfired on him. first he shot himself in the foot right then his gun blew up in his hand well the other guy yeah corky had his his gun blow up in his hand That's- and he also shot himself in the foot that's what they said 
Corky. I, I thought Bob, I thought no, Bob shot no, no, himself no. in the foot. No, Corky was trying to do a quick draw, but he drew so quickly he shot oh. himself in the foot. Okay, fine. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> but yeah, he was horribly injured and had no weapon, and then Bob killed him. Yeah. Because Bob's kind of a, you know, a son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> killed Corky and his 10-inch dick. An unarmed man. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's kind of a weapon, but that's a different story. Two gone Corky. <laughs> So I've kind of covered most of my notes and I think I've shared the primary thoughts that I had. Now we've already established that I apparently like this movie better than you did, but now having talked about each scene a little bit more, are you still standing by your same statement that you just kind of are left yeah. a little empty or do you think it's, this is something you'd watch again? It's it's the less than the sum of its parts thing. Okay. Like I enjoyed some of the characters. I think the storytelling of some of the characters was very well done. I think it was well shot except for the really, really dark scenes. And it was like, I had a really hard time. It, it, like we watched this during the day and maybe if we watched it, you know, in the dead of night, it would have been better. <laughs> but, you know, our basement gets pretty dark even during the day. So I don't know. But overall, I think it wasn't a bad movie. It's not like I disliked it. Okay. I just, I, it's, it's less than the sum of its parts. And I just don't see what was special about it. Well, and we also were looking at what other movies and actors were nominated. This yeah. was a stacked year. 1992. Oh, yeah. Holy hell. Yeah. You were reading off all the movies and the actors. Fucking and Pacino was nominated twice. One for, one for leading actor and supporting actor. And another controversial opinion by rights, he should have won for supporting because Glengarry Glenn Ross, he's oh, yeah. amazing in that he, movie. He won for Sin of a Woman and he was nominated for Glengarry Glenn Ross. One of my favorite movies. But I get why he won for Scent of a Woman because he didn't have a leading and Academy G Award at that yeah, point. Yeah, and Gene Hackman was nominated and won for this. I think he deserved it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But that was some stiff competition when you were rattling oh, off. Oh, yeah. Look up, do yourself a favor, listeners. Just go and look up the Academy Awards that all of this went this, down. This was the Marissa Tomei this year. This was by the, the Marissa way. Tomei year. <laughs> deserved, goddammit. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing. I'm not disagreeing. But just look at the landscape. It was the 93 uh, Oscars. For the 1992 season, if yes. you will. Yes. Yeah. So I I think we will just respectfully leave it at that. Yeah. We will agree to disagree. I thought this was really good. All right. And Fair enough. If I actually like a Leastwood movie when I didn't really like a different one, cool. Yay for me. <laughs> Bully for me. All right. <laughs> All right, Betsy, let's wrap this one up. We are halfway through with our Western Wednesday series. We have an email to read from Mo before we get out of here. This one's going to be about Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, she says, just like the two of you, my family tries to stay up to date with all the Marvel shenanigans. Today, my family's watching Multiverse of Madness. I already saw this movie in the theaters, but the others didn't go see it. Uh, so we've been playing catch-up this summer with the MCU and all the Star Wars stuff. Yeah, we're, we're still way behind on Star Wars stuff. Well, on the, on the TV stuff. Not yeah, so much on, on the, the TV stuff. We've seen all the movies. <laughs> uh, next weekend is my mom's birthday, and we're going to go see Thor Love and Thunder together in the theater. Excellent choice. Yes. Anyways, I'm excited to, uh, going into this film knowing what's going to happen. I think there's going to be some varied opinions on the film. Last weekend, we watched No Way Home, and Celeste... I. 
I don't know if that's your sister or not. Uh, and Celeste and my dad weren't too impressed with it. My mom and sister were confused with the other Spider-Man films because they never watched the Sony films. Well, that's really confusing. Yeah. But this is something I have wondered about that movie. Right. Does it work with people who don't have the nostalgia of the other two Spider-Men? Yeah. The people who love Marvel but maybe didn't watch Spider-Man before Marvel came right. around. That's why I say No Way Home is not a Marvel movie. Fair. It is a Sony-verse movie. Fair enough. More than anything else, it just happens to have some Marvel sprinkled in with it. Yep. Just yeah. a little a little sprinkling. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, back to the email. I think my mom will be scared with all the gore and zombie stuff in the movie. Thank you, Sam Raimi. <laughs> That's what I say. Uh, I'm not sure about uh, what my sister will think because she really liked WandaVision. But the multiverse will probably frustrate her. Haha. Uh, I have no idea what my dad will think. He'll probably want to watch it several times because there's so much happening within it. True. Like it's out on Disney Plus now, and I just want to go and watch it. Yeah, I want to watch it again. J- just because there's so many things in the background that I'm sure we missed. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, back to the email. Uh, also, the visual effects are superb. My sister will probably like it, but she's not as deep into the Marvel as uh, my dad and I, so the Illuminati and such will probably go <laughs> over his head. It probably went over our head, too. Well, because we don't read the comics. No, we're not into the comic stuff. I'm just into the movies. We're also not oblivious, though. Where There was enough context there yes. for us to know who these people are. Right. It, but that's a very much a dad kind of a thing. Well, who the hell are these people? Oh Why my are God. they here? While it's happening, my father is... N- <laughs> for what's going on here who are they it's like i just dad they're going to tell you this is the funny thing about plot they (laughs) give it to you (laughs) uh and to end here the podcast is fun i enjoy listening to it you're both great and ha 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 congratulations again on your award betsy Uh toodles from mo and for those of you who do not know us in person Betsy won an award recently. Maybe. She won for best performance in a variety performance on the the, the, the local stage awards, let's yes, say. It's a it's a long category, but basically there's it's all of the singers, dancers, uh, musicians, performers, performers yes. all in a bunch. And yes, I did I did take home an award last Yay, week. Betsy! <laughs> Much to my own surprise. Yes. All right. Well, thank you, Mo, for the email. Yes, thank you. And uh, if you would like to be like Mo and be, oh, a burgeoning super fan. Oh, <laughs> is that what's happening? Yes. I love having two super fans. Hell yeah. <laughs> or uh, three. Maybe. Oh, no, we have two and then a distinguished contributor. That's Excuse right. Me. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that would be Mitch from Saskatoon. But uh, he hasn't emailed us for a while, so we're just going to have to wait for that. Anyway, if you would like to be like all of our other super fans and whatever and else we call and contributors, dis- distinguished contributors, email us at neverseenitpod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, neverseenit underscore pod. We got a brand, almost brand new Facebook and Instagram page. It is neverseenitpod1, the number one on those two sites. If you want to support the show, click the link in the podcast description, go to the page on Anchor and throw us a buck on there. If you can't do that, what we ask is that you just use those other social media sites to share us with your friends, share the episodes, do whatever you feel like will help us the most because we got to get this podcast to grow. It's easy. Yes. Click a damn button and you're just (laughs) sending it to all hundreds of your friends. Like, share, subscribe. You know the drill. All that shit. But that is the end of this episode, Betsy. Again, we are two down. We got two to go in the Western Wednesday series. 
And we just started another series at the same time. We what cannot, the hell, Betsy? We cannot be stopped. Can't Trent. be stopped. <laughs> Our Nick Cageathon is also ongoing. We're going to be back with another episode of that on Sunday. But until then, this has been another episode of Never Seen It. My name is Trent. My name is Betsy. And we'll catch you next time. Yeehaw!